I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as Disney catalog fans, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. We do have to start uh, this episode on a, on a bit of a, a downer. As our last episode was going up, we got the news that a Disney legend has left us. Pat Carroll, most people will know her as the voice of Ursula in The Little Mermaid. But her career has done, She's her career exceeds that so much. But if she is ever only known for that one character, damn, it was a good one. Yeah, more than enough. Most of us won't be known for anything half as amazing. Yeah. But, of course, like you said, she was known for so much more. I mean, Danny Thomas' show would have been enough. She was the second banana you know, to all these kind of great comedians. You know, she worked with Mickey Rooney. She worked with Jimmy Durante and Steve yeah, Allen. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Red Buttons she worked with and Ted uh, Caesar. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of uh, really, really cool. So... She uh she really was just the perfect one for Ursula. That voice. Yeah, she she was not the only one to have auditioned for that. I think we talked about that, you know, back when we did Little Mermaid. I mean, that was our first episode. Um but she just had the precise vocal range and the right delivery and the attitude. Oh, yeah. 95, what a run. Yeah. We should all be so lucky. Yeah. So, I mean, rest well, Pat. That's, that's a hell of a legacy to leave behind. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to uh, we have another trailer that came out again as as our last episode went up. We got a new trailer for Andor, the the new Star Star Wars show, uh, and a bit of a delay because it was supposed to come out at the end of this month and it's been delayed about a month to September twenty first. Probably because they learned not to put a Star Wars show and a Marvel show up at the same time. Because everyone was talking about Obi-Wan and everyone kind of, during those few weeks when we had Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel together, there was very few people talking about Miss Marvel because everyone was talking about Obi-Wan. So they don't probably don't want the same thing to happen again with She-Hulk and Andor. But we are getting three episodes on that day, so evens out. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, kind of interesting that they're putting up like half the. I mean, aren't these like six episode series usually? Usually. So that's like half the season. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, it's playing catch up. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not liking the six episode series because you're just getting into it and then it stops. I, I'm not. I'm not liking this. This new. I just saw a screenwriter. There's a screenwriter that I follow, and um, honestly, he's he's done a lot of work for Disney and uh, MCU and and all. Uh, but he just posted on Twitter the other day, like we've been doing this six to ten episodes every two years or whatever for a little while now. As opposed, at least in American television, as opposed to the way we used to do it, where you do like, you know, 20 to 24 episodes and maybe eight of them would be outstanding and then maybe another six would be really good and then the rest of them would be watchable and maybe one or two would be real stinkers. And he was like, has it really made TV better? It does get people talking, but, you know, they, they went with the whole six-hour movie format, which I think people are, are starting to get tired of. But, uh, like I said, this is something new for American television. How many times have we watched a British show that we get four or five episodes, and then we have to wait five years for the next season? But, honestly, I've always kind of wondered the same thing, like... Is it really better that way? the the only The only upside that I see to it is that it does it does bridge the divide between quote unquote movie stars and TV stars. In that the longer delay between television and movie productions allowed actors to go to a movie. And then do a TV show. And then you could do a movie. And then you could do a TV show. And, the, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, in England, at least, because of the film schedule, there was never, like, a you have to choose to do movies or television. And there was never a stigma of, like, oh, you're a TV actor. Like there was in America. Mm -hmm. You know, it was never like, oh, I'm leaving TV now to go be a movie star. And at least with Disney, at least with their shows, they're putting the budget of a movie into the show. Yeah. Which, again, does, you know, which does change from regular network television budgets, you know. So it's not that bad. Uh, uh, but they're able to thing. do that because they're Disney. Like, not every TV show can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're nor should every TV show no, do no. that. But we're, I think it's more of a of the streaming thing because they want to give they want people to keep subscribing to those to those services, releasing you know have, and you know the the entire six episode format was to get people subscribed for more than one month. Oh, here's four episodes for one month, 
But if you want to see the last two, you got to subscribe for another month. In in that case, the smart person just waits until week six, and then you just binge it in a day. <laughs> I don't know. The, you the, know? Weekly, the weekly format I kind of like because it does get that that discourse that everyone's talking about it. Whether when you have the binge format, yeah. people watch it over a weekend, and by the next weekend, people's kind of forgotten about it. But you know, know what I'm saying? Like if you if you're like, oh, we want people to subscribe to our service, like you just wait until six weeks from now, you sign up for the free trial. And then you binge the series, and then you cancel. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know? but, but about Andor. <laughs> the um, the trailer looks really good, and of course, you know, I'm a I'm a soft touch with uh live action Star Wars. At least, you know, it's still people keep trying to make me watch the the animated stuff, and I have tried. Bless me, I have tried. I have tried, y'all. It just hasn't taken. Um, but. I'm a soft touch on the on the live action stuff, so I'll definitely be watching it. But uh, the trailer looks good. I like it. There's a scars guard in it. Yeah, I'm a soft touch for a scars guard. You know me. This kind of explains why he wasn't in Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> Probably filming. Well, that. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. There's that uh, one little cameo, but uh, the. Uh, yeah, he was he was he was busy off uh, filming a Star War, but the it's funny when you can't work for Disney because you're off working for Disney, isn't it? Right. The uh, but you know we got we got Forrest Whitaker who's always fun. Yeah, this is the 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 origin of uh, the events of Rogue One, the the prequel to it. Yeah. The uh, the trailer is calling this the origin of the Resistance. I I I like a good Resistance origin story. You know, I like that one line Skarsgård gives in, in 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 the trailer. They've stolen so much from us, we don't even know it anymore. My favorite bit is gonna be Mon Mothma. Yeah, we get a glimpse of Mon Mothma and where she comes from. We haven't seen Mon Mothma in a while. We saw her a bit in the prequels. Same actor came back for Rogue One, and uh, they're giving her a bigger role in the series. I at least I assume so. Well, yeah, I mean it's 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 looking like she's living the life of luxury, and talking about like you know, hey, if if it looks like I'm being a nuisance or you know being annoying or whatever, they're not gonna know what I'm up to. Yeah. We got Fiona Shaw playing somebody. <laughs> yeah. I like Fiona Shaw. Who doesn't like Fiona Shaw? So, come on. And I understand people who may not be interested in this show. You're getting an origin story to a guy who died in his first appearance. Yeah, I mean, I think that disliking Andor because you know his... I mean, disliking Andor the series... Mm-hmm. at this point because you know his eventual fate is kind of like you know back in 98 or whatever when we started hearing like hey Lucas is making the prequels being like why do you want to see Vader's origin story 
we eventually know where he ends up. But then again, uh, also people were saying the same thing about Obi-Wan. Why do we want this story about Obi-Wan? We already know what's going to happen to him. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there's there's all kinds of interesting stories that can happen to people, you know, in the side pockets of of time, you know. And it just depends on if you do the storytelling right or not. It's it's like we we have collectively spent, you know, four or five days with these characters mm-hmm. on screen out of their, you know, however many years they get. You know, it's like Rogue Rogue One and what time we have spent with Andor as a character is like a week out of his entire life. The last week of his life. Yeah. And it and it just happens to be the last week of his life. I just want a good story. And honestly, in most stories, you know that the hero is not in any real danger because they're the hero, and most stories will end on a happy ending. You know the That's guy and kind- the girl... You know yeah. the guy and the girl are going to end up together in the end. It's just how you get there. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I I don't care as long as the story is good and entertaining to me. Hmm. Um, and and that's a personal taste thing, of course. You you can decide for yourself what is good and entertaining to you personally. Um, I just want to see a story that entertains me. And so far, the stuff that has shown up on Disney Plus that has dealt with Star Wars, the live-action stuff at least, has entertained me. Agreed. And I'm definitely looking forward to the show. I'll be I'll be watching it. Um, three episodes in one day is a bit much. I would, but let's see what those ep- are. These going to be longer or not? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see come September when this when the show drops. Uh, and how, and you know what's going to happen in it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and honestly, I like Diego Luna. Mm. And so seeing him on screen again is going to be, you know, going to be good. Thanks. I I the, the thing I was sad about most in Rogue One was that we wouldn't get more of Diego Luna in, in Star Wars. And, and so this are fixes it <laughs> they they say that they have a multi-season plan for this if it's successful and this is just the beginning like this is so like this this is probably set several years this is prior andor, to prior to rogue one then this is andor year one essentially yeah i mean so, so this this is probably set significantly before the events of rogue one I'm just wondering if Alan Tudyk's going to show up as a droid again. I am for Alan Tudyk showing up for whatever they want to use him for. More Alan Tudyk in things, please. So, yeah. Definitely looking forward to Andor. So let's move on to our main feature. Ten things I hate about you. It's back to school time. Yeah, time to go back to school. and Oh, God, we're going back to high school. It's the 90s. This is 1999. This was our senior year of high school. 
yeah this this was our this we i mean we we were the same age as these characters theoretically at least one of the actors and this is another shakespearean adaptation this is a, a an adaptation of the taming of the shrew with a lot of more questionable parts of that story gotten rid of thank the goodness <laughs> yeah that is possibly shakespeare's most debated play there's one other that that I might put up there, but it's definitely, it goes back and forth of like, did he mean it? Was it a satire? Was it like, was he trying to say like, don't be like this dude? You know, like, did he even write that one at all? There are some people that, and, and I'm not talking about the weirdo anti-Stratfordians because screw those people but i'm i'm talking about like actual shakespeare scholars or like maybe that was maybe like, this was supposed to be a cautionary tale and it just got lost through the years yeah like may you know maybe the humor of the like maybe we're supposed to be making fun of petruchio and the humor doesn't relate that's that's the interesting thing is like we've rediscovered a lot of Shakespeare jokes because it got lost in the in the language shift. Mm. Like when you when you reconstruct the original pronunciation of Shakespeare, suddenly you realize that a bunch of stuff were puns, and when you do it in the original accent, you're like, oh, those words were supposed to rhyme, or like when you say it in the old way, that word sounded like this other word, and that oh, that was supposed to be a dirty joke, but we don't pronounce that word that way anymore. Uh, oh, I see what you did there, you know. So it's like suddenly, you know, hundreds of years later, we're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> this movie sure keeps the dirty jokes for a PG thirteen teen movie. Yeah, this is a rather dirty film for what it is. But yeah, uh, which Shakespeare would have loved. I'm just going to put that out there. Shakespeare was the dick and fart joke guy. Um, people forget that. Uh, but the um, and and this uh, the original play this is based on has quite a lot of sex humor. Like a lot, a lot, like a lot. There's a rather famous passage in this play that's just all about oral sex that's rather infamous <laughs> um, and this but... came at, this this came at a really odd time because this was just a few years after Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet where Shakespeare adaptations kind of became a fad yeah the 90s had a lot of teen fad Shakespeare adaptation three of them starring Julia Stiles Julia Stiles was kind of the weird queen of Shakespeare teen adaptations, yeah. Because she was in this one, she was in Hamlet in uh, the next year, and then she was in, oh, not long after that. This this one, though, is, it's very loose intentionally, and it's very tongue-in-cheek, and it's very weirdly 
it straddles that line between hey are you the cool kid that likes pop music and makeup and like the jokes from clueless but also are you the weird nerdy kid that gets the shakespeare references this movie is for both of you I don't know how that works, but for some reason it does because for some reason, if you were a part of either group, if you were the right age in the 90s and you were the weird literary antisocial goth nerd you liked this movie and if you were the weird bubbly i like pop music and doing my makeup and boys are hot and fashion is cool and i worship alicia silverstone you also liked this movie <laughs> and i have no idea how it did it there was almost no movie in the 90s that was equally liked by people who loved the craft and people who loved Clueless. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, it's weird because I never really watched this movie the whole way when it came out. It just wasn't my vibe back then. So this is like the first time I've seen this movie from beginning to end. Yeah, I don't know where I where that would put me in that spectrum, but well, I mean, I I think I have to also say like maybe that's coming from like the female perspective. Maybe. But um I I have I have absolutely no idea where this movie hits for guys. Um, Cuz it's also, you know, it has that that teen high school vibe of movies of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, and also has the romantic comedy aspect of the 90s and the early 2000s. I will Give say that this was one of the few romantic comedies I would willingly watch, which even to this day is saying something for me. You can count on your fingers the number of romantic comedies I will willingly watch. So let's talk about who's actually in this one. We start we already talked a little bit about Julia Stiles. Who this was her big break and she was kind of the it girl for a bit in that in that early 2000s era for a while. Like I said mostly in Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, I mean, that... Well, but also in that kind of weird teen movie thing, because, you know, she had, like, Save the Last Dance. The Prince and Me. Right after. But, yeah, The, the Prince and Me, which is also, you know, rom-com era. She was in the Bourne movies. <laughs> The Jason Bourne movies. Yeah, I, you would think that would be my thing, and I've only seen like one of them. She was in. She was in that remake of The Omen that they kicked on the entire 
plot the entire uh the entire crux of the advertising was it was gonna release on six six six. Yeah, six six oh six. Yeah. Um also you would think that would be my thing, but it just it was awful, so no. The original omen is incredible though. Uh rest in peace, David Warner, who also just left us, but um but yeah, she was she was absolutely the it girl for a while. She was you could not escape her. She was in absolutely everything. I first saw her on PBS cuz she was in uh, Ghost Rider. Not Ghost Rider the Marvel character, Ghost Rider the PBS show. I don't know how many people will know. Yeah, that was su- that was such a fascinating series. It was the the weird little kids show where like they were solving crimes but With- they had like a a weird ghost that would help them out by writing things yeah and was yeah could only make messages of what's around them the letters of what's around them so sometimes the message wouldn't be complete because there wasn't enough letters (laughs) yeah just carry around a copy of the like wall street journal or something with (laughs) you all the time kid like whatever the longest wordiest print thing was at the time i don't know (laughs) <laughs> it was it was such a bizarre show. Yeah. Um I had forgotten she was on that. Yeah, that's yeah. so strange. Um but this was also kind of the big break movie for someone else, and that was Heath Ledger. The late great Heath Ledger. Yeah, this was he had just moved to America to try to up his his career. He had worked some in Australia um, and then he decided that he was going to move to America to see if he could compete in the American uh, market. Worked out for him. Yeah, and that he landed this movie pretty quickly. And, and they let him keep his accent. Yeah, and they worked it into the character because you know there's there's the bit in the movie where she asks if his accent is real or an affectation because he's got so many rumors about you know his life. You ate a live duck once, and you you sold your liver for cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, like he he's he's this mysterious guy, and the school has all these rumors about him. And he says like, no, I I grew up for a few years in Australia, so you know. I've got the accent. Um, but interestingly, though, this movie was not where I first saw Heath Ledger. Uh, because I am a fan of really bizarre fantasy television. And he starred in a really bizarre fantasy television series that lasted almost zero time on television. <laughs> Uh, there was a Fox series called Roar hmm. that was about Irish people, and it was about like a, a I'm an Irish dude, and I have to go out and be Irish and uh, unite my clan because the Romans are coming, and uh, there's like fairies and 
magic and something or whatever. It was canceled almost immediately. <laughs> and honestly, it was kind of a crap series. It was it was not very good. But it was better than they gave it credit for. I, I'm going to say that. It was not very good, but it deserved more episodes. Um, it was so bad that they did not air many episodes and then Heath Ledger hit it big and they were like oh crap we've got a really bad TV show but it's got Heath Ledger in it let's air the rest of that series <laughs> and then Fox was like the TV series that introduced the world to Heath Ledger watch it all right now there's only a couple episodes because we forgot to air it all but <laughs> um, uh, it also had Vera Farmiga in it that was in Bates Motel it was it was really cool, but uh, yeah, that's how I knew about uh, Heath Ledger, and then I was like, "Wait, does this movie have that that dude from Roar? And is he actually uh, Australian instead of Irish? Because he was doing like a really bad Irish accent." But um, yeah, so this is kind of how the world found out about him, and then right after that, he would do um, Patriot with nice. Mel Gibson, and then Knight's Tale was really when he, like, when everybody was like, oh, that dude. So, yeah. Um, Brothers Grimm, Brokeback Mountain, and, of course, his role as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Well, yeah, that's kind of when, like, everybody. Yeah. Like, you you couldn't, yeah, I mean, like, um, but I think Knight's Tale was when most of, uh, like, I think most geeks kind of knew him mm -hmm. at that point. And then it was like, oh, the dude from Knight's Tale is going to be playing Joker. Because that Knight's Tale hit it so big for so many geeks. And then um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in here as Cameron. Tommy Solomon! <laughs> yeah, everybody just knew him from Third Rock from the Sun. He was the kid Cameron from Third King. Rock from the Sun. So... Yeah, also, no. uh, also a part of the Dark Knight universe as Robin, but not Robin. Yeah, <laughs> and we talked about him, of, of course, when we did Treasure Planet. Larissa Orleak, or I forgot how to say her name. Can you say her name? <laughs> We've got Larissa Olenek as uh, Bianca, the the other sister here, and completely. She will always kinda... be. She will always be Alex Mack to me for for the for the Nickelodeon viewers, for the old school Nickelodeon viewers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think basically everybody our age that was who she was either that or she was Dawn from the Babysitters Club at the time. Also in Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She did show up in Third Art from the Sun, but we—you were either one or the other. If you were like the the Nickelodeon kid, you knew her as Alex Mack. If you were really into Babysitters Club, you knew her as Dawn. I just feel like someone saw an episode of Third Rock with these two in it and felt, "Hey, let's do a movie with these two actors." Yeah, it could it could have been. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of our our main group there are, are two couples um and then we've got the great larry miller playing the dad the the only actor from this movie to reprise the role for the short-lived tv show and i mean he was also kind of everywhere in the 90s i mean you couldn't turn around he was he was there um just all through tv and movies i mean he was in pretty woman 
as well. And he, he would show up again in Princess Diaries um, in a couple of years. Always in all the Christopher Guest movies. Um, so, you know, you you run into him constantly. As our... Antagonist? Yeah, it's kind of our villain of the piece. We've got Andrew Keegan. He was constantly on TV at the time. Also showed up in O with Julia Stiles. Yeah. He was um, in Camp Nowhere for Disney, Independence Day. He was one of those other young actors that was like in everything. He's done Boy Meets World, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Seventh Heaven, Party of Five. He even showed up on Full House for yeah. an episode, you know, and he was on a couple episodes of Step by Step. So, you know, he's got that whole TGIF lineup going for <laughs> him. He is for the TGIF him. lineup. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, it, he, he plays he plays a really, uh, really good bad guy in this. I mean, he's perfectly cast for it. He just has that right amount of charm and smarm, <laughs> you know? The right amount of douchiness and the right amount of good looks to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David so, Krumholtz. Yeah, David Krumholtz is in this, and uh, a lot of people will remember him uh, for being in the Santa Claus, you know, as the... Wednesday's boyfriend from the Adam, from Adam's Family Values. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, say he was the head elf Bernard in the Santa Claus, and yeah. they've just announced that he was he's going to reprise his... His role His for the series. Role for the, the series they're gonna do in Disney Plus. And like you said, he's he's uh Wednesday's boyfriend in Adam's Family Values, which was kind of my my thing that I latched on for him. And then of course he's uh Mr. Universe in the movie Serenity. So also, also in the start of the TV show numbers. Yeah, I never watched that, yeah. Freaks and Geeks. Oh, so much, so much. Yeah, he he just shows up everywhere and, and he's he's always a treat when he does. Um, he's still out there, he's still acting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 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 saying that he's slowed down at all. Um but uh yeah, he just uh finished filming uh Oppenheimer. Uh, which is the the Christopher Nolan movie? They just dropped the first trailer for that, um, and that one's got um, Killian Murphy uh, in it, uh, playing the the main character in there. Uh, but yeah, can't can't wait to see that. It looks amazing. And then you know you've got in supporting roles, you got people like Gabrielle Union. You got. Uh, Alice and Janney, who we just talked about with Finding Nemo. Uh, you got David Leisure in here. So uh, we also have a couple of um, bands showing up. Uh, Letters to Cleo and, of course, Save Ferris was the big one um, that they get in here. The The music in this was one of the big things. This was a very soundtrack-heavy movie. We talked about that with Power Rangers last week. Yeah, this was the 90s at, in one movie in terms of the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, it it starts out with, 
yeah. one week by bare naked ladies. Yeah, one week, and then it's like bad reputation, and then you know. So this is this is one of those where they they sold it kind of on the soundtrack even. So uh, you, you mentioned bad reputation. Uh, watching this movie, it had clicked in my brain that like Ronda Rousey, former UFC fighter turned WWE wrestler, kind of based her entire look and persona on Julia Stiles in this movie, complete with using bad reputation as her entrance music. <laughs> Which, it's true. I mean this this was a major um, inspiration. For a lot of people who grew up in in the time, and Julia Stiles in this movie was kind of iconic. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get into the plot. So, if you know anything about Taming of the Shrew, you kind of have an idea what this movie is going for. They really pushed that PG thirteen rating in here. I mean, there's no nudity, there's no violence, but they pump up the swears and there's like Disney was wise to put this under the touchstone brand because the Walt Disney brand would never survive out out of this movie. Yeah, they they did put it under touchstone to be like, hey, this is for the teen audience. Like really heavy on the teen. This is a teen comedy it's not quite american pie but it's wanting to be that the main plot of this whole thing is we have cat julia styles and cat is kind of the she just doesn't do she doesn't follow trends she doesn't do anything she's just uh her whole thing is she won't she refuses to do the obvious thing in any given situation most, most, including it's high school that involves dating. She doesn't date anyone. Now, because of this, younger sister Bianca cannot date either, as her dad has kind of put the hammer down, as that Bianca cannot start dating anybody until older sister Kat starts dating somebody. Because the dad is a doctor who is obsessed with teenage pregnancy. Well, he's specifically an obstetrician. That's the thing that they say. So all day long he's delivering babies and it specifically says at the beginning of the movie that he has just come back from delivering a teen pregnancy and that he sees teen pregnancies a lot and he doesn't want his daughters to go through it. Even having a birthing... an, imp- you- an empathy belly is what it's yeah. called. Yes, uh, it's it's one of those fake pregnancy bellies that they give to to the father generally to be like, hey, this is what your wife is going through right now. Um, but he he kind of constantly makes his daughters, and you get the feeling typically Bianca wear it to be like, do you want to have to go through this? You know. It's a very shamey movie in that sense. At least the dad is. The movie itself does not shame the girls. Um, the dad is is very much the butt of the joke. As uh, as Kat would say later in the movie, he gets too controlling over his daughters, 
because he really can't control his wife, it's mentioned very early in the movie that their mother is gone. Not that she's dead, that she left them. Yeah, she left the dad, but apparently she's also left the girls, which is an interesting dynamic. We don't typically see that a lot in movies like this. She's not dead, she's divorced the dad, but also the dad has full custody and the mom is just not in the picture. And apparently some of her things is still in the house as uh, there's a part of the movie where Bianca starts wearing their mother's necklace and Kat has a has a fit over it. Like, you can't wear that, that's mom's necklace. Well, mom isn't here. Yeah, and apparently Bianca has been hiding it and Kat didn't know that she had it, which is kind of interesting. Um, so it's it's a little bit fascinating, but uh, it's said that Kat is very uh, into feminism, and she's also very into music, uh, like punk and ska music, uh, specifically. I mean, she, she's listening to Joan Jett in her car. Well, yeah, but... A lot of the bands that she is seen to be into, a lot of the ones that are on her wall, and a lot of the ones that, like, you know, say Ferris and Letters to Cleo are female-led bands. Um, so... It was the 90s, ska was kind of everywhere. <laughs> well, ska absolutely just rocks to this day. Uh, so I will hear nothing against Scott. Thank you very much. I'm just saying but, it was style at the time. Well, yeah, no, it, it's the tie an onion to your belt because that's the style at any time, my good sir. But <laughs> that is, uh, no, uh, yeah, there was a there was a huge Scott wave during the '90s at this time, as there was like fem for female-led uh, punk um, at at the time, and so I mean she's she's very kind of on trend like you know it, they say like oh cat doesn't do what everybody else does but in her music taste at the time like eh, okay she is like riding some waves here you can tell that she's very feminist very girl power in what she likes um and it, it kind of has gotten her a reputation of being well let's just say it a bitch in school I think the movie would prefer a shrew, as they do bring that term up uh, uh -huh. several times. We said the thing, wink, we wink. Sa we said the thing. We said the thing is the title of the thing. Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, they they do bring it up specifically to be like, hey, we're, we're you know, that's the play we've based this on. Yeah, I mean, in the original play, you know, the the younger sister, um, Bianca, is has a proposal of marriage, and her father has decreed that she will not be married until the older sister, Katerina Kate, um, is uh, married off. But Kate's personality is very unpleasant, and no one will propose to her no one wants to to have her hand in marriage and so they have to you know find a guy to 
uh, tame her and, you so know, so marry Bianca her. Can, and, yeah. You know, so that Bianca could get married to a guy who really wants to marry her and she wants to marry him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And who is our, our suitor for this? That is a that will be Cameron, the new boy in school. That's Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yep. Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Cameron, the new boy in school. He is inter he um He walks in and he goes, Well, Bianca's really pretty. I want to date her and our our geeky little uh our, our geeky sidekick. <laughs> our geeky sidekick here, uh David Crumholtz, Michael. Uh, is like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, uh, you can't date Bianca. Her dad doesn't let her date. And then her, her dad's like, oh well, you can date when your sister does. That'll never happen, ha. Huh? And thus the plot ensues. But also, uh, Bianca has another suitor in Joey, who we later find out is Cat's ex. You don't know that at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, n nobody knows that. It's a it's a secret. Um, Joey and Kat are both seniors. Bianca and Cameron are sophomores and are younger. Um, so, you know, this is this is a whole thing. Of course, high school is very stratified, which interestingly plays perfectly into Shakespeare. It's fascinating how much American high school systems work with Shakespeare. It's why so many adaptations, modern adaptations of Shakespeare end up getting put in high schools. Like, not only does it appeal to, well, in American high schools, you tend to have to read Shakespeare as part of the curriculum, but... It's just, it's one of the few places in America where everything is so weirdly stratified in a way similar to Shakespearean Elizabethan England. You know, that like everybody has their very specific place in the hierarchy. And the various cliques that hang out with each other in the, in, in the school. Well, and they go through that in a very weirdly specific way in this movie, which a lot of 80s and 90s teen comedies do. Here are like, the jocks. Yeah. Here are the stoners. Here are the young Republicans. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, and this movie does it so weird, including introducing a group that is never in any other movie, the Cowboys. The urban cowboy. <laughs> Not the, the urban cowboys, just the cowboys. I mean, just... they dress like cowboys, traditional cowboys, but as as uh, as Michael says, they've never been on a farm in their life. The closest thing they've ever come to a cow is McDonald's. Most people who dress like cowboys like that have never, ever set foot on a farm. Seriously? Trust me? Like I will trust a girl that grew up in the South. <laughs> yeah, it, it, as as someone who has lived in multiple houses that have literally been my house and a tiny fence and cows and or horses on the other side. <laughs> um, 
I ha- I rarely I rarely run into people that work on actual farms or ranches that have ever dressed like the way that you see cowboy in movie or people who want to call themselves a cowboy dress like um but the the funny thing is though is that this is the only movie that ever has that like and I keep wanting to go like where did why is that joke in this movie I don't know like is that a was that like a weird thing in Seattle like if you lived in Seattle in the late 90s was there a weird cowboy fad in Seattle in the late 90s that I am unaware of Yeah this film was filmed in Seattle takes place in Seattle Yeah it was filmed in it was filmed in Tacoma you know it was like is that like a was that a a weird fad that I am unaware of in that area because I do not remember the cowboy trend in high schools in the late 90s. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so we have Joey, who is, we find out later, is Cat's ex, who these two openly hate each other. It's like, it's well known in the in the classroom that these two just hate each other. He constantly belittles her 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 feminine beliefs and is at some sort of vengeance against her he wants to hook up with her little sister also cameron wants to hook up with the little sister because she finds she finds her attractive bianca is completely self-centered she values material things she values looks she values status during their first few interactions, she kind of leads Cameron on, knowing that knowing that he likes her, but is really using her to get cats to start dating because P- Bianca wants to date Joey because he's hot and rich and a male model. Yeah, that is one of the, the side plots of the movie is that Joey is getting into modeling he's just getting his first headshots he's just you know i i love i love the part of the movie where he shows bianca his two perspective headshots and it's the exact same pose and it's just one of him is in a black t-shirt and one of him is in a white t-shirt and she says i think the white t-shirt makes you look more pensive and he goes oh damn i was going for thoughtful (laughs) Which is one of my favorite jokes in the movie. She just kind of looks at him like... And I'm like, both of these characters are so dumb. And she's just slightly smarter than him enough to know, like, pensive versus thoughtful. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So this is where we get... I don't, this is definitely not where that trope starts, but we get to, I'll, you know, I will, you know, we'll pay you to date this girl, kind of. So that's a start here. Well, so, I mean, it's definitely not where the trope starts, because it's kind of Shakespeare, from the play, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... So Cameron wants to date Bianca, but they know that it's not going to happen until Kat starts dating. Michael finds um, Patrick, the bad boy, with the mysterious past, everyone starts to rumors about him. He's been missing for a year, and no one knows where he's been. 
So which is where all the rumors start. Even one rumor that he's a porn star. <laughs> yeah, because he disappeared for a year and everybody was like, oh yeah, he was off doing porn. And then everybody was like, no, he was away in jail. And like, it was like, I just love how many weird rumors that there are. Like, he ate an entire live duck, except for the beak and the feet. <laughs> and he's well aware of these rumors, because Cat kind of brings them up. It's just, so what if they are true or not? <laughs> so Michael finds finds Patrick, but they, none of them have any money to pay Patrick to date Cat. So they make a deal with Joey since Joey has the money because of the fancy car, probably rich parents and the pseudo modeling career that he has the money to pay Patrick to date Kat so Cameron can date Bianca, but Joey wants to date Bianca too. That is the base of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and once again, like, that's that's from the play i mean there yeah. is like you know bianca has two suitors one of them is pretends to be a tutor just like, like cameron does you know yeah. like oh hey i can tutor you in french but he doesn't really speak french which is kind of funny because jo joseph court levitt kind of does speak a little bit of french which is you know kind of funny um he does a really great version of lady gaga where he talks about French and he like switches out some of the French that's like in the Lady Gaga song with some different French that makes it a little more interesting. <laughs> it's a really good cover. I'm just gonna say that. Um, but uh, the um, if you like dirty jokes in French, go look that <laughs> up. Uh, but anyway, um, the funny the funny thing is though is that uh, it is interesting how well this plot works when you take away some of the more troubling aspects that are in the original play. I, I'm not saying that the aspects that remain aren't a bit troubling, because there still is the bit where, like, Joey is paying Patrick to date Kat. And the fact that Patrick accepts the offer is a bit troubling. But it is tropey. I mean, we've seen it in many it, more movies besides. And, and it's still it's still a crappy trope. Let, let's just say that you know. And most, I mean, it's it's most not... of the things in rom coms are awful, which is why I hate them. And it is in partially reality. How many times have we been in the situation of? I'll pay you five bucks to tell this person that they're cute. I mean, yes, it's, I'm not saying that people don't also do bad things related to room. It's like, do stalkers exist? Yes. If there's a movie about a stalker, is that realistic? Sometimes. Yeah. Does it make it okay? No. You know, it's like, yeah, crappy things can happen in real life. It's like, but it doesn't make it good or cute you know um the the thing is like but the thing that patrick never does in this film i mean not not really never because there's one part in the bar where he kind of does it a little bit is that bianca and cameron kind of are like hey let's let's figure out what 
what Kat likes and, and also that we can, like, you know, help Patrick date her because Patrick wants to date her. Bianca doesn't know he's been paid to date her. She just knows there's a boy who likes her sister. So let's help this boy get her, you know, ask her out. Here's what, here's all the CDs she has Here, in her here's room. Here's the bands she likes. Here's where she's going to be, you know. Her favorite band's at a concert tonight. You need to go there. Oh, I can't be seen at that at that place. Yeah. Um, and she but... has... But yeah. there is one part that kind of mirrors the the really bad part of the play, which is in the play, the taming part of the shrew is that um, Petruchio in the play, which is turns into Patrick in this movie, basically spends the entire play doing what we would call gaslighting now. Yeah. So if if he does things like being like, oh, look, Kate, the sun has come out, you know, in midday. And mm -hmm. she'll be like, yeah, what what of it? It's it's noon. The sun has come out. And he's like, are you crazy, woman? That's the moon. And she'll be like, no, it's not. It's the sun. It's the middle of the day. And he'll be like, I said it's the moon. And he'll, like, do things like refuse to feed her until she goes, oh, look, my lord, it's the moon. And then he'll be like, very good, have some chicken, you know? Like, he literally, like, if she's like, I'm wearing a red dress, he'll be like, no, it's a blue dress. You don't get food until you say it's a blue dress, you know. Hence the taming of the, you know. And mm. just breaks her down until by the end of the play, you know, it's like... Look, this is my left hand. Yes, my lord, it's your left hand. No, I say it's my right hand. Yeah, yep, it's your right hand. That's your right hand, all right. No, are you crazy? It's your left hand. You're right, my lord, it's your left hand. And like, you know, until she'll just, whatever he says, you know, even if it contradicts reality, in front of all of her family and friends, you know? And then he'll be like, look, look at how good I've trained her. This is an appropriately trained wife, you know? We never really see Patrick do that in this movie. There's never really a point where he's like, hey, cat, you know, the sky is green. Say it's green, you know? The only time he really gets close to that is where he shows up at the club and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm also into your favorite bands hush now i'm trying to listen to this band this is my favorite band but that's also like most dudes trying to get with someone oh that they'll okay this person likes this uh is it is it is it is it well-meaning probably not but it has happened where guys have pretended to be into something that a girl likes just to get them to talk to her i ain't saying it's right i'm saying it happens <laughs> It's the more, the, the, it's thing, more realistic. the thing is, is it's the closest we get yeah. in the movie. Yeah, that that's fair my enough. only point. Fair is enough, fair is enough. it's 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 slightly more realistic, and it's the the closest he gets is is being like, "Shut up, girl! I'm listening to this band. Like, don't talk to me. Like, you know, it's the closest he gets to that behavior." The rest of the film, though, the kind, the only part where he really 
seems to cross a line is accepting money to date her. The rest of it, he kind of seems to stay on the right side of morality. I, I mean, I, I'm willing to be corrected, he but the, for the, the most part, he does seem to to genuinely respect enjoy, her. He, the implication, at least towards the end of the movie, is that he always had a thing for her. It's just like they, no one needed to pay me to date you. Kind of, at least that's what he says. Yeah, he never, he never seems to have spent any of the money on himself. Anything. Yeah, he seems to have spent it on like taking her to the prom or paying the marching band to do the the weird song for her, or whatever. And then at the end of the movie, when he buys her the guitar, you know, that he's been saving. And the thing is, is that the money we see him get paid. That that guitar is way more expensive than the money we see him get paid over the course of the film. And if he's been buying things like taking her to the prom, which is a chunk of change, if you've never been to a prom in America, that was probably some of his own money as well. Yeah, the, it starts with he's just he just wants enough money to cover the date. That's, yeah, because the least... initial output is like fifty bucks, and then eventually it's like three hundred bucks to take her to the prom, and like I know I spent more than that on my prom, and we were going like halvesies. So, like you know, he even says, you know, if, if, if I take her to a movie, that's going to be this much. She's going to want popcorn. She's going to want snacks. She's going to go somewhere afterwards. So that's going to be this much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if we even if we say that like Joey was paying for all of those dates, you know, mm -hmm. and and maybe a little extra, I'm still thinking that. I mean, because that that wasn't a cheap guitar. Yeah, who? It's a movie. I think at that point, it's like you want the happy ending. You want the movie. It's a movie yeah. kind of deal. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's it's one of those things of like, you know, where where's he get where's he getting that money? But uh, with the exception of of lying to her about the the money thing, mm -hmm. which is not a small exception, I'll grant. Mm -hmm. They have removed the biggest thing, which is kind of the the gaslighting and ill treatment and stuff. You know, he treats her respectfully. As far as their relationship on the on the dates and stuff, even when she's compromised and she starts drinking at the party and everything. she hits her head at the party and he's like, you know, trying to he shows genuine concern for her. Yeah. And Cameron even asked him, like, you know, what did you do with her last night? He was like, nothing. She would have been like too blasted to, you know, remember anything. I'm not about that. Which was an interesting and very important line and one you did not often get at that point in time in teen movies. Yeah. Like I like I said, remember that's like the same time we get American Pie. Mm -hmm. Which is an entire movie about like you know 
having sex, <laughs> ha- having sex with girls in compromising positions and stuff. And like, what's the what's the other movie that came out like right about the same time, which was just like, there's a whole subplot that's just let's get this girl so wasted that she won't be able to remember that she agreed to sleep with us or something. Like, there, there's, like, a whole teen comedy that, that's, like... Can't Hardly stuff. Wait is the only one I can think of. I mean, it might be that... I, I, I haven't watched it, because I watched the trailer, and it's just, like, two dudes being, like, all right, the plan is this. Like, l- let's take this chick out on a drinking spree, and by the end of the night, she'll be so wasted, she's gonna want to sleep with us. And I'm, like, not watching that movie. <laughs> that's a crime right there, my dude. <laughs> so yeah uh but it's it's really interesting that the base plot of the movie is not terribly bad mm-hmm. when you when you take away that that kind of top layer the you know pro- the, the more problematic aspects of the play yeah um and it still works as kind of just a basic rom-com thing um you've got the bianca subplot of the skeevy guy is trying to 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 date her and the more well-meaning but kind of doofy guy is also trying to to date her um and and yeah it kind of comes that whole plot comes to a head when we get to the party cameron tries to get you know is 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 trying to get Bianca to Bianca's attention and it's she's just she's gonna give all of her attention to Joey and it breaks his heart. He goes up to Patrick says, you know, the, the deal is off. I'm I'm done with her. She doesn't want me. She wants Joey. The entire point of this was so I could date her. Um I'm 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 done. I'm done with it. And we kind of get Patrick kind of being a, a stand up dude kind of going, you know, you know, do you like this girl? Is she worth all the trouble where you put yourself into? You know, don't let anyone tell you you're worth less than what you deserve. Which is a nice pep talk. And it shows that Patrick is not a, a, a skeevy guy. Even though he has that exterior of that. You know, he smokes. He's He, he's he hangs like out a, in a biker bar despite being... Under Wildly eight. underage, I'm assuming. Hoping and he's, he's always at least once a week. He's in the the counselor's office. Yeah, so. for for making lewd jokes with bratwurst. <laughs> I like how the counselor made made a joke like like um like you know like um I'm trying to find the right word. I'm trying to find remember how she worded it, but like the the counselor making a joke is like bold of you to assume it's. It, it's that long. Yeah, bold of you to assume it's a bratwurst or something like that. And it was like, first of all, why is the counselor making jokes like that to a student? Can you please not? While she's writing her sex book. Yeah, she's she's writing her erotica on her school computer. Can you not? Hey. A, a teacher is writing erotic fan fiction on school key, on a school computer. Well, it doesn't say it's fan fiction. I mean, she is writing just 
an erotic novel. You know, she's writing a romance novel. The you teachers know, some... in the, the teachers in this school have no chill. They're just calling out these kids for everything. Yeah, it's, it's uh, although that did that did make me make me laugh seeing that again because I read so many of those stupid novels. Mm. Not really by my by my own choice. I had a friend who there's. For those of you who are not women, there are, weirdly, I, I don't think this happens as much anymore, but before the internet was quite so big a thing, there used to just be, like, traveling groups of, like, book clubs, where it would just be, like, oh, this is the latest, you know, stack of romance novels or whatever, and they would just travel between women. So you just have, like, a little, you know, like, oh, I finished this novel here, and then you just pass it off to your friend, and they would just travel between groups. You know, all these, like, stupid little trashy romance novels. And my friend, I was a much faster reader back in those days because I had nothing better to do with my time. And my friend would be like, "Oh, you've got to, you've got to get part of, be a part of our reading group, and all." And then, like, I got into her little like book club or whatever that she was part of when I was a teenager, and they were all just these like ridiculous romance, you know, bodice ripper novels. <laughs> and so I read tons of them. And reading the, the what she's writing on there, where she like changes it out for like she could feel his member or whatever to like she could feel his bratwurst or and if you've never read those books, you're like, oh, she's just the worst author ever. If you've read those books, you're like, yep, that's exactly what those books are like. Every asking single one of them. Asking her assist her her assistant for synonyms to words so she can just extend the word count of her novel <laughs> yeah those kind of things i the one that has stuck with me all these years was the author that kept using the word man root okay i'm not kidding there was one author that that was that was their term for the male member for for yes for male genitalia like she could feel his throbbing man root or whatever. Like it was, and, and it was more than once. It wasn't like it just like you ran out of words. Like that was their go-to. And I was like, this is possibly the worst author I have ever read in my entire life. Well, I don't want to use the scientific, I don't want to use the scientific word and I don't want to use the vulgar word. And I want a word that I can trademark, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where they got it from, but that was our that when when we talked about bad writing for a long time, me and my friends would joke about that particular author and their use of the term man root. <laughs> so <laughs> um so every time I see this scene now, I'm just like if she types in man root, I'm going to lose it. So, Bratwurst is actually a step up from some of the stuff I have read. Um, but the yeah, her her jokes with the 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 students is just I'm like, oh, 
I thought I had bad teachers, but Miss Perky is just the worst. Um, and then, like, some of the stuff that goes on in this school, like, you know, I have I have stories from my high school years that will absolutely terrify anybody, but, like, some of the stuff that goes on in this school, I'm like, why is this school still allowed to function? Um, and Mr. Morgan, the English teacher, seemingly the only black person in this entire school. At least the teachers. that We yeah. do have at least one one black student in Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, yeah, and then there's, like, the one scene where Julia Stiles, like, flashes a teacher in front of a room full of students and has no consequences whatsoever. It's one way to distract we, a teacher while your boyfriend's trying... We hope she was wearing a bra. Who knows? But that's one way to get your boyfriend out of detention. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The, yeah. The, thing, the thing is, is that it is fascinating though that at at the you know back to the party that we do see that Patrick has no desire to do anything bad to Kat. He doesn't want to see her embarrass herself in front of her classmates. Again, yeah. As she's drunk as she's drunk on... and dancing on the table. He doesn't want to take advantage of her because he gives her a ride home and nothing happens. I mean, yeah, she's drunk and has a possible concussion from hitting her head after she fell from dancing. Yeah, he could have taken advantage of her, uh, but he doesn't. She goes to kiss him, and he kind of turns her away, mostly because, again, doesn't want to take advantage of the fact that she's drunk. Two, it's, he's kind of starting to fall for her after the business arrangement. Yeah. Which but kind of angers Kat. Through the, rest, through the rest of the movie? Yeah, but... Like, I don't... Like, dude, you were drunk. You really wanted the dude to take advantage of you while you were drunk? Like, okay. People are complicated, and... Yeah. You know, take a step back, but also... Again, in the 90s and what you are told... You know, I didn't have... As firm and understanding of alcohol and consent mm -hmm. in the 90s, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like, if I had been a little drunk and still remembered the night and had a guy been like, eh, I didn't want to kiss you because you were drunk and, you know, like, I didn't want to take advantage. I would have been like, oh, does he like me? Does he not? You know? Because Nobody had told me that. I mean, it wasn't like we didn't have that in like sex education classes. Consent was not being taught at that time, you know. Still not being taught. I'm yeah. I'm I'm still I still don't think it is being taught, you know. But at least there are like sex educators on the internet, and there's like a bit more discourse and stuff, you know. But like I wouldn't have understood that at her age. Which I was at the time, you know? So, had I had the same thing happen to me, I would have probably also had questions. Does this guy like me? Does, you know? Like, yeah. my feelings would have probably also been complicated. So, I, I respect him 
because he absolutely did the right thing in that situation. Bravo him. But I also understand that her feelings are complicated because she probably didn't quite understand the dynamics because probably nobody had explained consent and alcohol to her in the proper way because nobody had to any of us really especially her overprotective father yeah who who is very much just a don't do anything which is not the we already see how that went wrong because way back in ninth grade as we find out shortly in the movie she had been pressured into sex by joey and she and, thought, well, everybody else is having sex. This is just the thing you do. And she's also kind of going through her mother leaving them. Yeah, she was vulnerable because she was going through grief over the mother leaving them. She thought, hey, I want validation from this guy. This guy is cute. I like this guy. This guy is very much pressuring me to have sex, and I don't have anybody to talk to about it. Which is also the other problem yeah. with just being the, like, don't do anything ever kind of parent. You know, it's like, well, if, you're, if your kid is having a problem, now they don't have anybody to actually honestly talk to. Because they know you're not going to be open with them about their feelings. So she doesn't have anybody to talk to when she's having these complex emotions. Because who can she go to? Miss Perky? No, you know, yeah. she doesn't have a trusted parent she can go to. She doesn't seem to really have any friends. Um, we see her have one friend in the movie, the Mandela girl who thinks she's dating William Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's like she doesn't really have a support system and she has a, a, a guy who's pressuring her to do something she doesn't want. So she gives into that, and when she tells the guy, hey, I regret it, and I don't want to do that again, can we slow down? Then the guy treats her badly and breaks up with her and everything. And the only way she doesn't become gossip at the school is that she threatens to tell everybody that the guy has a small penis. <laughs> it's like... Okay, if you make me the subject of gossip, I will also make you the subject. It's mutually assured destruction at that point. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Joey, so back at the party, uh, Bianca finds out that Joey isn't all that and a bag of chips, as we used to say back in the day. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a self-centered douchebag, and she... Yeah, she's very bored, you know, because all he wants to do is talk about his himself. potential modeling career. Like, oh, oh, look at this pose. Now look at that pose. Do you see how that was different? You know, I was like, no, it's the same pose. Um, so, yeah, she's she, and, and she kind of has a moment of self-reflection because she kind of realizes how selfish she's been being this whole movie. And realizes the one guy that actually cares about her, she just burned off for this hot guy with a cool car. So she kind of breaks up with Joey and uh, instant rebound because Bianca's best friend, Gabrielle Union, ironically character named Chastity, says, if you don't want him, I'll take him. Because he's hot and has a cool car. Yeah, and Joey immediately is like, yeah, okay, cool. Sure, sure whatever. No, don't care. 
One trick is exactly like another trick. I do not care. The thing is, though, is that when everybody leaves her there, and it's not really Kat's fault that she leaves her because she's got a concussion and she's drunk and, you know, uh, Patrick takes her home. You know, when Bianca is stranded, Cameron gives her a ride home and she's like, oh, you know, this guy isn't so bad after all. He's nice. He, you know. But Cameron does kind of call her out on her crap, you know? Yeah, just because you're good looking doesn't give you the right to be conceited, you know, could kind of be uptight. Not as uh, no, I think uptight's the wrong word. Well, he does he does call her, you know, he says that everybody views her as conceited. Hmm. And he says that you know, she's treating people very badly. Because she she's being entitled. She thinks that her her good looks and her, you know, cute personality, you know, is what's going to bring everybody in. But he's like, you know, you need to put forth a little effort. Yeah, Nick, if, if, if you weren't interested in me, you should have said so before I did all of this just to impress you. And it, it kind of teeters into nice guy territory. Almost, because he kind of goes, you know, I learned French for you. I put all of this together for you to get left, to get dumped. And now you're dumped. Yeah, and and where that that gets into nice guy territory is she didn't ask you to do that. Like, you put out that expenditure in preparation for asking her out. Mm Mm-hmm. If you'd asked her out and she was like, yeah, if you do all these things, I'll go out with you. And then she didn't follow through. Maybe different story. But if you're like, hey, I showed up at your door with a whole bunch of stuff you didn't ask for. Why don't you like me? Well, no, she she doesn't have to like you, dude. You know, it's like you did all that on your own. So. That's where it kind of straddles the line. But he's not wrong in the sense of she's being a very similar person to Joey. Like, yes, you look pretty, but there's no substance there. Like, you know, you see how you were very bored with Joey because he didn't have anything to add to the conversation? Neither do you, sweetheart. And he goes on how he defended her. Like, everyone was calling her conceited and... And he was defending her. Even when we first see her, Michael is saying you, you, she's You just don't mater- want her because she's very shallow. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's no way she can. someone could be that shallow. She's Look how beautiful she is. She's smart. She's this. She's that. And so. And we but- see that she does, over the course of the film, take that to heart because by the end of it, She's speaking better French than him. She's, you know, like she's kind of insulting him a little bit in French. Like, hey, dude, when are you going to step up and ask me to put on? You know, and she's asking him that in French, which I I like. I like how he's looking through the book. What what does that mean? What does that mean? His French book that still has the drill hole in it from Patrick (laughs) from (laughs) earlier in the movie, which he's never been able to get replaced. But I like that she she has, she does take it to heart and she does realize like, 
okay, I, I do need to to step it up a little bit. You know, like it's fine to be pretty and it's fine to be interested in, you know, my looks and my grooming and, you know, fashion if I want to be. All that is fine. There's nothing wrong with any of it. She doesn't have to change who she is. She just adds on to who she is. She grows who she is. And she actually does start dating Cameron because she sees him as a good guy. Yeah, and the she finds out why Cat, you know, she eventually confronts Cat. She gets the story from Cat about her backstory with Joey and all. And she finds out that Cat is not trying to be mean to people. It's just that once Joey pressured her into doing something and she did it because she thought everyone else was doing it, she decided that never again would she do something just because it was the trend. Which so if nice you thing. say this is a fashion, she says, no, I'm not going to follow that fashion. Everyone's okay. going to the party. I'm not going to go to the party. Everyone's going to the dance. I'm not going to the dance. Because yeah. people are expect. Uh, which, which, which Patrick kind of, kind of turns it against her is that, hey, go with me to the prom. No one will expect you going to the prom. Yeah, I think that the thing is, though, is that she had a good reason for starting it, but then it becomes a little too far and a little a little bit of a trap for herself is that you should never follow a trend because it's a trend she has that part right doing a thing because it is popular is not necessarily but also refusing to do a thing because it is popular is also, it's a trend in and of its own. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And we see that a lot. It's a it's a trap that I have fallen into, especially when I was younger. You know, I I have been that person. Like, oh, is that what everybody likes? Well, I'm gonna hate it to prove that I'm different. And we're we're kind of starting to see that now with anything that's popular on social media. Like over the last year, how many people are starting to literally hate like the Marvel movies just because it's the it's the popular thing now. Well, Marvel is the super popular thing. I'm going to hate everything that comes out of Marvel because it's popular. Oh, and the second that anybody starts doing it, like um. When Wordle became the thing, and people were like, "Oh, hey, I'm doing Wordle now," and then ev- immediately, like, I started seeing people post Wordle, and I was like, "Oh, what is this?" And then people were like, "Oh, here's, let me explain it to you." And I was like, "Oh, okay, that seems like a fun distraction for people who want to do it." You know, some days I would do it, some days I wouldn't. Y- you know, it was fine, and. It was like, and but like the second that it started like showing up on people's feeds, I was like, and here's the countdown to like, I hate anyone who posts Wordle on their feed. 
I'm going to start unfollowing the next person who posts Wordle on their feed. And it was like, what, three days or something before I saw the first person who was like, stupid Wordle, I'm going to unfollow the next person who posts Wordle on my feed. It's all I ever see now. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna you know just I'm I'm gonna be the anti Wordle person. That's my entire personality now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why do you why do you care so much? You know. And, and I mean I've been that person before. And I look back on it and I go, man, why did I care so? Why was that so much of my personality? What did it give to my life? You know. Um, and it's, you know, I'll say it cringe. It's like, I look back on when I was that person, I was like, Ooh, Ooh. And so I look back on cat in some ways and I was like, Oh, cat, don't do that. Don't you're, you're just being the, the anti popular person just to be the anti popular person. I get where it comes from. It comes from a place of hurt and it comes from the popular people rejected me. To, to a point. I mean, hers has a little bit deeper. It's something, you know, some moment in their life where they were like, oh, you know, I had a group and then the group rejected me and now I'm just like anti-groups, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get it. And I've been there and stuff. But if you're if you're going through that point in your life or something, it's not worth it. You know, <laughs> it's just it's just not. Um, but it's, it's why, it's why I am much, a much chiller person now, I think, you know, where I'm like, yeah, if you like a thing, like a thing, if you don't like a thing, don't like a thing, but like, make it a specific reason why you don't like that specific thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've got a lot of, like, I collect pop figures it's it's a trendy thing right now. Do I do I do them because I think they're gonna be like super collectible in five years? No. Do I do it because I want all of the pop figures? No. It's like I'll see a pop figure and I go, oh that's cute. I like that property character. it's from. Yeah. I like that character. You know, whatever. And then I'll buy that one or whatever. You know. So it's like I don't know. I got like. 15 of them or something and my house isn't like full of them I don't know but it's like they're cute but I see like people that are like I hate pop figures because they're the trendy thing and I'm like so who cares don't buy them then like (laughs) whatever (laughs) it's like don't put them in your house but that's how I feel about cat is like don't don't just do it so like if you want to go to this dance, go to this dance. If you don't want to do it because everybody's pressuring you, then don't do it. Yeah, that's a great reason. Don't do it because people are pressuring you. But if you want to do it because you want to go, then don't stay home just to spite people. Because here's the thing. Nobody's going to be spited. Nobody's going to care. Really, the only person Kat's going to be hurting is Bianca. Well, yeah, Bianca, because Bianca won't be able to go because th- their dad is insane. Yeah. So let's 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 fast forward to the prom at this point, because I think that's kind of where this whole thing leads up to. Cat agrees to go to the prom with Patrick. Uh, 
Bianca is going to the prom with Cameron. At some point, Joey ends up going to their house to pick up Bianca, but finds out Bianca's now dating Cameron. And I don't know why Joey thinks Bianca is going to go with him because he never really like asked her. Yeah, he never really asked her. He just kind of assumed he would show up at her house and she'd be like sitting there in a prom dress waiting for him. I don't, huh? And she did, and he just walked away at the last social gathering with her best friend. Yeah, with another girl. Yeah. Who also shows up at the prom in a prom dress, like, ready to date Joey. So, like, what? Yeah, I don't know how that all worked out. And then we have the weird subplot of, like, Michael has suddenly started dating this chick named Mandela, who... It's Kat's thinks, only friend, yeah. Yeah, who is Kat's only friend who just shows up partway through the movie, is told to be Kat's only friend. We never really see them interact, but she's got a picture of William Shakespeare in her locker and apparently is delusional enough to think she's dating William Shakespeare. So Michael sends her a dress that we're supposed to think is Elizabethan, but it's not. Like, it's really not. It's, it's, I don't know what that dress is, but whatever. And then he shows up in some kind of outfit. I don't know what it is, but it is also not Elizabethan. So, what are you wearing, my dude? It um, looks vaguely British, old, and we're going to get away with it because it's the 90s and we don't do our research. Yeah, and apparently and also, the these girl are who school. thinks she's dating Shakespeare also didn't do her research, so whatever. If Like, a, she's cracked if that outfit appeals to her. I mean, it looks good on him. Uh, he, he does kind of look hot, but like... <laughs> and those two end up becoming a thing because of a mutual love of Shakespeare. He quotes a little bit to her, and that's apparently enough to get yeah, them quotes, together. Yeah, he quotes like a line and a half of Shakespeare, and she's like, Oh, Tish, that's French. And then, like, they're dating. I don't know. Whatever. The plot says so. Anyway, those weirdos are together now. I guess we're happy about it. That comes out of absolutely freaking nowhere because we just need another random Shakespeare drop. But, uh, yeah, everybody's at the prom. Also, Save Ferris and Letters to Cleo are at the prom because apparently Patrick paid save Ferris to be at the prom? Okay. It's a lot of uh, money going around. Yeah, he just has oodles of money, and I don't think Joey's paying for this. I think that, like, Patrick is just secretly rich and hasn't told anybody. Here where we go, here's where we find out the secret. Where has Patrick been for the last year? He has been by his grandfather's side as he was dying. Yeah, he went and took care of his grandfather. He, like, slept on his grandfather's couch and made SpaghettiOs, apparently, and just so helped his possibly, grandfather. It's possibly an inheritance. Yeah, maybe he just inherited a massive amount of money from his grandfather after his grandfather died. I don't know. So, uh, Chastity, Gabrielle Union, confronts Bianca at the prom, saying the only reason Joy was ever into you was because he wanted to have sex with you, which apparently doesn't seem to be a problem for Chastity. And uh, she had a bet going with her friend. He had a bet going with his friends. He's going to blow the whole secret out right now. And uh, you lost out on Hot Guy with Cool Car, which, uh, as we said, as we found out earlier, 
chastity has no problem being shallow. Yeah, that's her whole deal. She just wants a hot guy with a cool car. So, yeah, whatever. Um, meanwhile, Joey just wanders out onto the dance floor and is like, hey, Cameron, I didn't pay a uh, idiot over there. Oh, well, no, he goes and confronts uh, Patrick. Patrick first. And he's like, hey, idiot, I didn't pay you a whole bunch of money to, like, date weirdo over here uh, so that, like, Cameron could go hook up with my chick. What the hell? And that blows it for uh, for Patrick and Kat, because Kat's like, oh, yeah, I thought you said you didn't need any kind of incentive to date me. Uh, guess you guess you did. were lying. So uh, then Joey wanders over to Cameron and he's like, hey, dude, stop stealing my girl and punches Cameron. And then Bianca's like, you thought you were going to sleep with me? Ha ha ha. And then just absolutely beats the crap out of Patrick. I mean, out of, uh, of Joey, Joey, which is Breaks amazing. His nose. Breaks his nose. I had a shoot tomorrow. You broke my nose. <laughs> yeah, he had a nasal spray shoot, which is even funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she like punches him in the face a couple of times, and then she knees him in the groin, which is really great. And then she takes uh, Cameron off, and they're while the while. While the rest of the school just dances around his corpse as he's holding his crotch. Yeah. Um, the uh... but uh, the cat's out of the bag. We get our, you know, we we get that that moment in every romantic comedy with the big uh, reveal. And cat's kind of done with Patrick right now. Hey, you know, I thought you really liked me. Turns out you ran in for the money. Well, and then we get the title-ish of the movie, which is that the English teacher is forcing them to rewrite Shakespeare's sonnet 141. And it's it's a sonnet about contradictions. I won't read it, but it's it's part of the um the dark lady uh cycle. And it's basically, I I love you, but I am aware that you have flaws. You know, it's it's a contradiction poem. <laughs> so it's like I I understand that you have flaws about your your physical nature and stuff, but I still love you. You know. They have to rewrite the poem, and at the end, after all of this unpleasantness at the prom, Kat ha is reading her poem in front, and it's in front of the class, and it's called Ten Things I Hate About You, and her poem is, you know, I... I hate your stupid combat boots. And yeah, I hate your boots, and I hate your hair, and I hate your ridiculous smile, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the last thing is, but the most, the thing I hate most about you is the way that I don't hate you even a little bit. And then she cries and runs out of the room. And then, you know, we get the, the resolution, which is that he has put the 
this guitar in in her car because at one point she said I should start a girl band because that would really piss my dad off and you know and he sees her in a music shop looking longingly at this guitar and, and playing it and you know he buys but, her that guitar <laughs> you know so he buys her that guitar that she's you know playing in the store um but you know there is that that thing that even at the the end when they're they're dating she still sticks up for herself you know she still has that the same personality she's not a a different person in general unlike the play where she's completely broken yeah it's they they make a point in the film to to be like hey you know she still has the the same opinions she still has the same personality she's still willing to stick up for herself um and he's fine with that because the two of them are joking about it at the end their yeah. relationship in shakespearean terms is much more Benedict and Beatrice than it is uh, Petruchio and Kate. Which I like because Benedict and Beatrice are my favorite Shakespearean couple. Um, so um, if you've ever seen Much Do About Nothing. Um, and they are very much a couple who are, who are you know, that they, they share witty little jokes and then you know it's i it's... like that yeah i mean the ending is kind of cute it's like you, you you can't buy me a guitar every time you mess up no i just buy your drums i'll buy your bass i'll buy your tambourine <laughs> yeah you know and he you know he's kind of like eh, you know eventually you know we'll have the we'll have the full band it's fine you know <laughs> um but it is the basis of a a more healthy relationship. Like I realize there will be give and take there. And she realizes that, you know, it, yeah, there's, he is apologizing and he is trying to do. He's trying to do the right thing. The right thing here. Um, and that also he had not kept any of this money for selfish reasons. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to enrich himself on this scheme you know uh which does go a long way yeah again he's he's not a bad dude so kiki let's ask the question does 10 things i hate about you have the magic i think it still does i was very worried about like you know i re i remembered liking it at the time and I was thinking, like, ah, this is going to be another one of those nostalgia ones where, you know, I remember liking it and looking back. And I will say that it is a 90s teen movie, and there are parts where you get to a joke and you go, oh, no, why'd you do that? There are a couple of, like, homophobic moments. There are a couple of ableist moments. There's some jokes you wish they wouldn't have done. But overall, I I still like it. 
which is really it's really kind of high marks for me to say about a rom-com because i absolutely loathe the genre in general uh i'm going to say no and i i get i really didn't really watch this movie growing up it wasn't my jam then unfortunately it's still not my jam now it was I, I I'm 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 going to be honest. It was kind of a slog to watch this movie go through it. It was like, oh, if I if Disney Plus had a pl- a times two speed on it, I would really use that right about now. It's just it didn't click for me. And if it clicks for you, more power to you. If this was your movie that you grew up with, more power to you. It just didn't really do it for me. Yeah, it's fair. I I totally see how this this is not everybody's film. And you know, again, you know, I know this is an audio medium, but I am a brown-skinned person. The lack of brown-skinned people in this movie did also play a factor in it. Oh yeah, this is such a white movie in the casting. I had forgotten how white this cast is. You get the one black girl best friend, the one black teacher, and the five seconds of the one black young Republican. And that's it. Yeah, they're called the MBA group, but let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. So I think that's all we can say about the film. Let's move on to next week. Uh, It's time to go back to the era of classic Disney. And... One aspect of classic Disney that we have not yet touched upon is the wartime era, the packaged film era. That weird era where they weren't really making full films, but taking a bunch of shorts and presenting it as a film. Uh, rather than do one of those with like 10 shorts and go, and go from there, uh, we're going to start small with a movie that's really just two shorts. Fun and fancy free. And it's when I suggested it for the podcast, you had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, I did not remember which one this was. Uh, this is the one with Mickey and the Beanstalk. This was supposed to be the movie that was Mickey Mouse's big return to cinema after the war ended. And we'll get into all of that story next week, but that is the gist of what we're going to be talking about next week. So come back for all of that, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. If you want to help the fight for human rights in the U.S., the American Civil Liberties Union works to protect constitutional rights for all Americans. Their website is aclu.org. If you need reproductive services in the U.S. or wish to donate to those who do, Go to abortionfunds.org for more info. The battle isn't over until the last person surrenders. The fight continues. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.